I want to carry on. Um, Peggy and I have been away for 10 days. Uh, pretty hectic, actually. Um, trying to help the Gold, Gold Coast Church. It's funny, you know, we met with a whole bunch of people. And you know what I learned? I learned that people there have the same problems people here have. People there have their struggles with life. People there have, you know, stuff. And it doesn't matter whether you live in the Gold Coast or you live here. The answer is the same. Jesus. And a relationship with him, which will enable you to move on through whatever your purpose is in life. Right. I want to carry on a couple of weeks ago when I was, um, when I was here. This is home. What are you talking about? Uh, I, I, I preached the message called The Enemy Within. And I want to kind of go there again and build on that aspect of that there is an enemy within all of us. Now, all of us have a destiny and a purpose and have a reason why we breathe air. I love Gary. Gary sent me back a response. He, Gary always sends me back some kind of response in regards to whatever... You know, I say on my Thursday thoughts, he said, well, I managed to not fall asleep through this one, Keith. That was on my last sermon. But then he'd make a comment. It's a sense of humor. Well, is it, Gary? But anyway, um, he, he, made, he brought up a question, which I'll kind of answer, Gary. He said, he read the Thursday thoughts, which, which was basically Caleb had reached the age of 85 years of age and still knew there was more for his life because God had a purpose for it. And I think from what I could tell from your message, Gary, was um, that what about all the people that have passed away? What about all the people who have died? Are they any less important than we are? Well, no, they're actually they're not any less important because if they have faith they're with Jesus, they're in a much better place. See, dying is not the end, dying is where we are transported to a higher realm, to a place where God has incredible things for our lives. It's a transition. But we are important to God right now because he has given us air to breathe every breath you take. The reason why you are still alive when others around you, the older we get, the more we watch people die and pass away. But we are all still alive breathing air because God still has a divine purpose for you here. But one day you will go there. You with me? So I kind of want to talk about this enemy within. All right. The Bible, we call the Bible the Old and the New Testament. Ever heard that? That You know, I like the Old Testament, I like the New Testament. Why did they use the language the Old and the New Testament? Well, one, because one was old and one was new when Jesus came. But the word testament is a very interesting word. The word testament is how we describe both books of the Bible. Old, new, but we use the word testament. And the word testament is meant to express something that I think we need to be reminded of. And that is this. A will or a testament is a legal document that expresses a person, the testator, if you want to be a lawyer, their wishes as to how their property, their estate, their wealth is to be distributed after their death. So here's the point. The Bible... Old and new is a testament from the heart of God about what he wants done with his resources on this planet earth. And you are one of his resources. And what you have is one of his resources. So the Bible is a testament about you, about what God wants you to do with your life, 
and with the resources he's given you. You with me? Jesus died, but he rose again. But he died in order for you and I to inherit stuff. You with me? Theologically correct. If it's not, uh, I don't know. Never mind. So anyway, testament. You have an inheritance. You have a purpose. You have a reason why you're breathing air. Now, there is an enemy or two enemies who oppose you living out the testament or the purpose of what God has for your life. There are two enemies. One uh, is the powers of darkness. It says this in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in this heavenly realm. Wolfgang uh, earlier mentioned some of what the evil uh, that we live in is happening around us. You understand what I mean? There is an evil realm that opposes the work of God. That's why, in fact, we live in a, without getting too political, but it is the truth, we live in a uh, state, if you live in Victoria, where it is becoming more and more challenging to preach the gospel. And they are trying to inhibit uh, the freedom of Christianity. Uh, whereby now, if you had said 20, 30 years ago that in Australia you could go to jail for your faith, you would have said, no way. Well, friends, it is becoming more and more real. And why? Because we put in bad politicians. Well, actually, politicians don't necessarily matter. It's the spirit that's at work behind these people that is causing this darkness. You with me? We fight not against politicians or political parties. We fight against the spiritual uh, entities behind that kind of stuff. You with me? So we have an enemy uh, called the devil who has a structure of power that he uses to try to stop the gospel and also that he will use to try to attack you and rob you of living out or living your, uh, into your inheritance. The second enemy is probably uh, the more sneakier one, and that is the enemy that dwells within you. Every single one of us, whether you know it or not, has an enemy that dwells within you. It is part of who you are, in fact. There is a part inside of you that opposes, fights against, wants to live in darkness, and fights against God. It says that that part of you, described as the flesh or the carnal person, is in fact even an enemy of God. So, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the fact that there is a voice inside your head. Everybody has voices inside their heads. Every single one of you are cuckoo. If you hear voices in your head, they say you're cuckoo. Well, maybe not. But we all have an inner voice that goes on inside of us. And that inner voice will come from either the carnal side or the fleshly side of your nature, or it will come from the spirit side. You with me? And the one on the 
flesh side is the one that wants to resist God's plan. It's the part of you that wants to do your thing and not God's thing. It's the part of you that gets offended by people. It's the part of you that greed exists in. It's the part of you where selfishness exists. It's the part of you that chooses not to love. It's an enemy to God. With me? So where do we find that? Romans 8, 6 through to 8 says, The mind... Everybody's got a mind. Governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do it, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You all have a fleshly part of you. You all have a carnal, 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 carnal aspect in you. When you got born again, when you accepted Jesus, the Bible tells us that we were born of the Spirit. That's where we get the born again thing from. So a spirit or the deposit of God is, is born in you and the Spirit begins to have life, but it still has this enemy called the carnal or fleshly person. Anybody experienced it here? Well, here's the thing. The Bible uses the word those that govern, in the NIV, very interesting, those that govern by the flesh, those that govern or their thought process, because you are the one that governs which one will rule. You govern your mind whether you know it or not. You govern your thoughts whether you know it or not. And you will lean either way, where you will govern it either by the flesh or by the spirit. And the mind governed by the uh, flesh ultimately produces death. You You want to know where anxiety dwells? You want to know where worry dwells? You want to know where depression dwells? It dwells in that natural carnal side. And the spirit, well, that's the part of God. And that if we govern by the spirit, it says life and peace. So how will you know which? Because we can go between the two. We can, through life, at times govern with the flesh, and we can also govern with the spirit. If you want to identify, I've already used up on me. Throat, energy, better have some water. But you govern. That's it, full stop. The word govern is an interesting word because the word govern means to be given a mandate or a, from a higher authority whereby you, um, you, you um, put into place uh, uh, that governance rule. You with me? So the natural... And and when we're talking about the flesh, the flesh is just not the sinful part of you. When it talks about the flesh, it's talking about the natural man with the ability to sin. So there's a natural part of you that governs, and it may not necessarily seem like sin, but there is a natural side of you that will govern, that will sin. That's where unforgiveness is, blah, blah, blah. So you govern by a set of rules. You all do. The natural rules are basically the wisdom of the world, the natural realm. 
You will govern when you come to a, a choice or a situation. Uh, you're, you will govern which way your mind goes. And for those of us who are Christians, we would hope that when we are faced with a challenge or opportunity or when we are, have the possibility of being offended by someone, uh, we will not govern by the flesh, but we will govern by the spirit. You with me? Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the smallness aspect of you and I. That that little voice inside of you, uh, that little kind of echo that goes on, uh, is where we can have things like inferiority and feel less than. Too many people feel less than because they are being governed by the natural. Hallelujah, you with me? I can tell you again a second way how you're going to know whether or not you are being governed by the spirit or by the natural. Because what goes on inside of you, so it's talking about the mind. The mind, uh, and that particular word is, uh, it's not just the cardia. So the cardia is your mind, will, and emotions. But that word in Romans where it says mind is actually the process of thought. That lives within the cardia of your mind. So your thought process or your governance comes from how your mind processes a situation. You with me? Is this too tricky? Your thought processes will be governed by either. What you say with your mouth will often demonstrate what's going on inside of your head. What you say comes from what is within you. You with me? Your words just don't pop out of the air. Your words come from your thought processes. So when something happens to you, your mind will process and say, okay, this is the facts, and you will process that thing and you will react out of it and your mouth will be activated. If you want to hear when somebody is... Um, facing a big problem, um, watch what they say with their mouth. What you say, it says this in Matthew chapter 12, 34. <clears throat> Jesus talking to the scribes and Pharisees who in fact were supposedly representing God and in fact they were trapped in natural religion. You know, we sung a song earlier on that said, um, you know, Break off the traditions. Shake off the religious traditions that hold us back. And see, these men who were the scribes and the Pharisees were stuck or trapped in the traditions of man, not God. And so Jesus is trying to talk to them. He says, you brood of vipers. If you dwell long enough in the natural, if you dwell long enough in the flesh, watch out, you might be described by Jesus as a brood of vipers. But scary. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the words that you speak will identify what's going on in your heart. You with me? When life happens, your, your mouth will react because of what's going on inside and whatever is being governed, how you govern, will come out of your mouth. And it is really interesting because a lot of people won't even know that others are listening to their words and going, whoa, you know? 
But others around us will go, whoa, that person said that. You with me? But you're meant to govern your own mind. You make the choice to govern whether you're going to govern from the spirit or from the flesh. You govern from the flesh, it says it will bring death. It will show in your words because the Bible says uh, there is power in the tongue for life and death. Watch what you say. Watch what you say to your children. Because when you're a parent and pressure comes on the parent, the spirit person will speak life. But the fleshly person will speak death. Watch what you say. Because it will identify what's going on in your heart. Rightio. The war. There is a war going on inside your head about who will govern your mind and your thought processes. There is a battle going on within your mind for your future. There is a battle going on within your mind that the natural will try to control and it will fight against the spirit within you. And the spirit within you is the one that will lead you to life and peace. That's why when turmoil happens in our lives, if we allow our mind to be governed by the spirit of God, though turmoil may exist, peace can be in our heart. Because your mind is being governed by the spirit. Make sense? But there's a war. And the war that goes on The enemy within you is that carnal man, that fleshly man, that natural person that wants to rule your brain and occupy your thoughts. And it says it can't please God. It opposes God. So when God has this inheritance for you and I, that natural man is going to fight against you living out that inheritance. That natural person will fight within you to cause your children to not live out their inheritance. There are so many parents that I have come across or children who their parents have spoken death because their parents have been ruling out of the carnal and the natural. And I'm talking Christians because your words have power. And see, It's easy to rule your mind when things are going well. It's easy to rule your thoughts when you think things are going well or you've been to church and you've heard a good sermon or you've had a good touch of worship. But during the week when life happens, when things go on and, you know, whatever, the kids are a pain, the husband's a pain or someone does something to you, it is easy for that natural person to rule over and govern. The word war is this, a state of open and declared armed hostile conflict between two states or nations. So the enemy within has a battlefield called your mind. And that enemy within is fighting in your mind, the battleground of your mind, to take control of your mind and your future. The spirit person 
is at war with the natural person because it's a state of ongoing conflict. Now, I've been doing this thing and I've been a Christian for more than 40 years. And I've got to tell you, that state of conflict, that war continues to go on within my mind. And that part of me that is natural and opposes God still wants to fight against the spirit man and control the battlefield, my mind. Does that make sense? Someone give me some feedback because I don't know, I feel like I'm talking to a bunch of bricks or something. Can you hear what I'm saying? Do you relate to the fact that there is a war going on within you? Mental illness is when that war becomes so intense and that part of your natural takes such control that it rules and it brings death. It brings death. And it causes depression. It causes a lack of hope. It causes fear. Because the natural can only ever end in death. Hallelujah. But the Spirit brings life and peace. And the mind governed by the Spirit is a mind that will have peace and life. Hallelujah. But it is an ongoing conflict. It is an ongoing lifetime conflict. Unless you're way smarter and better than I am. And you know, I'm talking to, to people who I know that God is moving them forward, that God is taking them to their mountain, that God is taking them to their destiny. But friend, you will never take your mountain. You will never uh, impact the world or receive the inheritance that God has for you unless you win the battle in your mind. Hallelujah. The supernatural resides in the spirit mind. The natural mind cannot accept supernatural things. God is a miraculous, powerful God. God is the God that turns a desert into a spring of life. God is the God that takes our brokenness and makes it whole because the Spirit has life. Hallelujah. Is there an amen? Amen. The war. Now... There are some results that can happen in a war. We're watching the Ukraine war on by TV. And the Ukrainians who looked like they were going to be squashed by the Russians uh, have been managed to push back such a powerful force. Astounding, really. But there are things that are happening as a result of fighting so long where they are beginning to feel fatigued and, and out of gas. They've been consuming their resources in the war and this prolonged war. Remember, you're in a continuous battle of a lifetime. And when you're in that battle, in the heat of that battle, sometimes fatigue sneaks in. And sometimes the fatigue in the spirit causes that natural to overwhelm and take more territory. Ever heard of the saying, giving up? If you're in a war and you give up, if you're giving up on your future, if you're giving up on your hope, if you're giving up on the promises of God, well, there are some reasons why. And friend, when you give up, you can still go to God and get strong. But when you give up and you allow that natural part of your life to rule and reign, 
then you have reached as far as you're going to go, and in fact, you are going to go backwards. You with me? Surrendering is to give up fighting. Giving up fighting against your enemy, your natural mind. Giving up because it gets too hard. Giving up because I'm tired. Giving up because my giant looks too big for me. See, Caleb, go back to Caleb. Caleb was a dude who, despite all the others, didn't give up. I'm going to read you something that's super interesting about Caleb. Joshua 14, 10 through to 15. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Note, your inheritance is linked to your next generation. Note that your life will affect the next generation. Note that if you live in the natural, that that natural part of you will rob your children or be a negative thing to them living in the inheritance of God. Because you see, you have, a, you have power in your life. You will affect next generations. Fact. You will affect them if you live in the spirit where they will have a closer, a, a, a better opportunity for, their own, for themselves to inherit. God. Parenting in the natural ain't going to end well. Verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke the word of Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and here, and now here I am this day, 85 years of old. I felt this morning to say to some of you who are getting older that you are listening to a lie that he ain't done with you, that he has a purpose for you, and you have not yet reached your mountain because you're still breathing ear. Not ear, ear. You with me? But who's going to rule? Who's going to govern your thinking? Is the natural? Because the natural tells us, man, when you get old, you're useless. The natural, the world does. The world says, just go and play golf. Because that's all you're good for. Nothing wrong with golf. But the spirit says, no! I ain't done till I'm not breathing air anymore. You with me? Spirit. Natural. <clears throat> Verse 11. This is, the, this is the kicker. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Both for the going out and the coming in. Note that Caleb said his strength was now stronger than when he was 40 or as strong as, for what? Friend, for war. For war. 85 years of age, fatigue would have been a challenge for him to give up on the promise, but that man had this ability to say, friend, I'm as strong, I'm really going to fight for my war, for my mountain, I'm going to take on the enemy, and I'm going to take my mountain. Hallelujah. You see, the Spirit has life. The Spirit has such power that it overwhelms the natural, even if you are 85 years of age. Even if you are poor. Even if you have weaknesses. Even if you are whatever. It doesn't matter. Because when the mind that is governed by the Spirit rules, 
has life, has peace. I feel, give me an amen or something. I don't know, man. The word here, I was as strong as when I heard Moses speak God's promise for me. That word strength is a super interesting word. It means the potential ability to exert power and authority, might and strength. See, the battle in the mind will fight. It's continuous. And the battle for the mind, particularly if you're wanting to get to your next thing, to your future, to your mountain of promise, that that battle will intensify because the natural opposes that. And the natural the carnal guy, the limited thinking person, the one that has been uh, affected and what is the word, worldview is of a natural level will fight against you. That natural. But he said, I've got strength to keep fighting. I've got strength to keep fighting and it all begins in the mind. The battle is in your mind And the strength is the ability to continue to exert power and authority over that enemy called the natural. Does that make sense? And funny, it's funny too, um, the Hebrew when it talks about when he said, I have strength for war, that, that language when they use that word war is begin this thing of a continuous battle. So a war, even as they wrote that, was a sense, I'm in a continuous battle. Now how many of you guys know Joshua? See, there were two guys who were men who had this ability to believe God. Joshua was the other fella. So did Joshua just cruise on in and and lead Israel and it all went well? Did Joshua just cruise on in because God had called him? Did Joshua just, or did he have to Learn something as well. Really, really interesting thing. I saw this a few months ago and I've never seen it before. And this is Joshua needing to see something. And Joshua had crossed the promised land. He'd been given the authority and leadership of Israel. And they were about to take on Jericho. They'd crossed over and they were in this land of promise. And now it was time to take the first city. And this really interesting thing happens. Joshua chapter 5, 13 through to 15. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn at his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Joshua encounters something he had never seen before. He didn't know who it was. He didn't know whether it was on his side or it was one of the enemy that he'd have to crush. So he's kind of saying, he's, he's standing and saying, mate, are we going to have a go? Are you on my side or are you my enemy? Really, really interesting. Note 14. And he said, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, have I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, 
What does the Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord of the army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your feet, off your foot, for the place where you, are, you, are, where you stand is holy. And Joshua did. It goes on. That's when God gave Joshua the strategy to take Jericho. That's when Joshua got the info about how to destroy Jericho. And taking Jericho was not a natural thing. Taking Jericho was absurd and crazy that just that they were going to march around it. Crazy. But Joshua had met a part of God that he had never seen before. Think about it. Joshua had met with a side of God, though he had spent many years in the tent staying after Moses, listening to God. Though he had learned so much of leadership, he now needed to see something new about who God was. And it was the God who was the God of war, my friends. It was the God who would go to battle for them. You with me? Friend, if you in your naivety, is that how you say it? Naivety. Don't understand you are in a war then you will be overtaken by the war. You will be like some of those people just swept up and be a refugee of the war. And your life will not reach the heights of what God has called it to do. If you as a person know there is a call on your life and you allow fatigue to cause you to give up the fight, to cause you to give up the fight for your husband to save, to cause you to give up the fight for your children to know God, to cause you to give up the fight for this nation to turn to God, the natural will win. You with me? We are in a war. This church is in a war as a light on a city, of a city on a hill, with this community because of the powers of darkness that surround it. If we want to see more people saved, we need to understand we are in a war, but it's not a natural war. You with me? I believe it is time for us either to be reminded of or understand we are in a war. Wars aren't cruise on in and it's all cool, bro. Wars are where it gets ugly. Wars are where the enemy attacks. Wars are where people die. Wars are where victories can be won. Giants can be crushed. Parts of your life, addictions that live in that natural that you have been struggling with for years live in the natural, friends. Because the natural opposes God because the natural is the carnal and you are not meant to bend your knee down to your addictions you're not meant to give in to them and feel condemned time after time am I just speaking to me you're not meant to keep bowing to that God of anxiety and worry that keeps ruling over you no way man you are in a war and you have the God of the armies of heaven on your side who in fact fights for you. But if you live in that natural and you stay in that natural, you will live a life opposing what God has for you. Hallelujah. Well, there you go. That's my sermon. I've got to tell you, man, 
We live in a continuous battle. Funny thing, I've got to tell you this. I don't know how it's going to connect in, but I will finish with this. We had quite a busy time up in the Gold Coast. And interesting, I said, meeting people in their wives. <clears throat> Came back and I had to go to chess hunt because I'm a sucker. Terry and I are suckers. I had to go to chess hunt because I put my hand up to help look after the place while the caretakers were away. I only had to do a couple of days. But man, I was tired. I got home and then the guy, Mike, rings me up and says, hey, Keith, because I was going to go as soon as I dropped Peter off, go to chess hunt. Guy rings me up and says, hey, Keith, look, look, mate, I don't think we've got a bed for you. Don't think we've got a bed for you. Because the lady who's in the house, she's like, she don't know who you are and she's not going to let you live stay in the house. And it's kind of like, annoyance. Prayed a bit. Anyway, he said, come tomorrow and I think you can sleep in one of the bunks. And I'm going there and I'm thinking, I'm not feeling this. Anyway, because <laughs> I'm feeling tired and not gracious. And I think I'm going to give her a dose. Who's, who's ruling? Well, that's the spirit. No. Anyway, I go there and uh, I get there and Mike says, look, the lady's changed her mind a bit. And he said, let's walk over and see her. And I'm just thinking, you know, okay. I go there. He introduces me to this lady. And she's like, oh, yes, no, you know, that'll be okay, but I just have to hang around. And then this guy skedaddles. And this lady is in the house, there with me, by myself. And I'm feeling like awkward, mate. And I'm feeling like, ah, ah, you know, this is like 101, pastor, watch what you're doing here, bro. Can I tell you this? And... um, so I'm sitting there, I'm trying to engage a little bit of conversation. She starts telling me about her life, and she's quite broken. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I've got to get away. I'm, so I go outside, and she follows me outside. And then we're engaging, and I'm trying not to be rude, but I'm thinking, and I'm trying to actually write the sermon for today. And anyway, um, I'm just like, this is, this is not good. I ring Pekka. And she was busy. Didn't really want to take my call. And I said, honey, I've got this crazy lady. And she said, oh, well, you know what? Be careful. Well, thanks. Anyway, there's, we have natural parts of us, man. I've got to tell you, there were some natural thoughts that were trying to take some control of my mind. This is honest. And I, I did a war. Anyway, I'm thinking, this lady ain't going to go. So, I'm going to tell her about Jesus, because that'll make her run. And I start to tell her about Jesus. And oh my God, she didn't run. She was feeding on God. That is a very dangerous space I was in. And I've just been reading a book about ministers that have fallen. And um, like I said, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, there are stupid thoughts that can come into our head sometimes, even for pastors. Everybody's looking at me going, whoa, dude. I got to tell you, man, I warred and I had to war. But then I shared my faith with this woman and um, she brought her husband to meet me. But what I'm, all I'm trying to say is, 
you've got to watch the battle. You don't know what's going to go on. You've got to be real careful. But sometimes life will bring circumstances where you've got to really fight for God. And you've got to, because too many people give in. They give in to the flesh. They give in to the carnal. And am I the only one here that can talk about this? Am I the only person that, you know, has a carnal man or woman? But thanks be to God that when I am weak, Jesus makes me strong. See? So I just want to encourage us as a church. Let's be people that crush that natural man. Let's be people that actively war to make sure the spirit man governs our thoughts. Lord, I thank you for the truth. None of us can hide from you. None of us, we can pretend at church. But Lord, we can't hide from the truth or from the king who sits in heaven. And God, you see each and every person here today. And you see to the depth of their being. And Father, if those that are here, Lord, are in the danger zone, then God, Holy Spirit, I speak strength into them. That, Lord, their spirit person would rise up and fight their war. And that they would be people who, Lord, get their mountain. And that we would be a church, oh God, that would get our mountain. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless if you're watching the uh, stream. Let us know how you're going. If you need some help, give us a shout. And guys, if you need prayer, come up the front. And the God of peace can touch you and make you strong. God bless.